Welcome, welcome. This is the Distraction Pieces Podcast, episode 384, and it is part two of the Where's Your Head At series throughout the whole month of May. Um, if this is your first one, go out and check out last week's. I had I spoke to my mum, I spoke to Stephen Graham, I spoke to Papa S.A. Adu, and I spoke to Gail Porter, uh, and they were all great conversations. The point of these episodes is to have open discussion about mental health. I think a lot of people have gone through a lot in this past year and maybe the excitement of it being over or getting to some kind of release from the from the restrictions is kind of making people not get the chance to discuss any struggles they've had or any anxieties they may have about about returning to the outside world. So I wanted to put these conversations together so you can hear people who are struggling. I wanted to have a load of big old famous people on, <laughs> partly because it'll bring eyes and ears to the podcast, but partly to show you that the people that may seem perfect or maybe your dream people have str- struggled as well. But I also wanted to talk to regular normal people, and the first guest is one of them. The first guest is my goddaughter Lola. Now, Lola is 10 years old, and this is... One of the first times she's been on a podcast, she went on a podcast called Mum and and Mama and had a bit of a chat um, with Amy Borman, who's going to be a future guest. But yeah, I wanted to kick things off with Lola. The rest of this episode, straight after Lola, I'll be talking to Florence Pugh and then to to Tez Elias and then to Rob Alton. So some amazing people. But let's start things off with chatting to to Lola. Um, Obviously... This week, if you don't know, is Mental Health Awareness Week. That's why I'm putting three episodes out this week. We're doing this for the whole month of May because mental health awareness is 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 a big enough topic to do that. But this week of all weeks, it kind of... Obviously, it's great for sharing and spreading the words of people's stories, but it's a good in. <laughs> if you need to talk to someone... Mental Health Awareness Week is a good week to kind of hit up a friend and say, you know what, I've been hearing a lot of these things and I think I want to talk to someone because I've been struggling or I was struggling, even to to backdate it. So I'm I'm in the good place now, but I just want you to know that there was this thing. So yeah, that's the point of these episodes. But let's kick things off with my wonderful goddaughter, Lola Rose. Let's go. Let's hear what Lola has to say about her lockdown. Right, I'm here today with my goddaughter, Lola. How are you? Fine, thank you. How's 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 your weekend been? Have you had a good one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been nice. That's good. That's good. The uh, the point of these chats is to kind of spend ten minutes or so, kind of just talking about how your mental health and your mood has been during the pandemic. So, kind of, how's it been for you? Because you've been locked indoors most of the time with your mum and your little sister rather than all your schoolmates and all the all the fun stuff. So how's that been? To be honest, I didn't really miss school that much. No. Because I just like being at home. Yeah. And doing schoolwork was okay, but it was just... I think it was nice to be at home, even though I did miss my friends, but it was just 
it's nice to be with my mum. So yeah, you you started doing a lot of gaming in this time, right? And and you could could talk to your mates yeah. on that, so do your Minecraft and stuff yeah. like that. So so how was that to get into that world and still still be able to communicate? Well, during lockdown, so I've been obviously been playing Minecraft and loads of different games, but it's just nice to talk with people and we can really make like we we get quite close like um my friends like we started this whole server this whole story based off of a youtube series and it was just really interesting because all my friends took roles and we and this really dramatic story we all sort of gathered on in that and we just really bonded because it was like it was sort of like we were back at juno's age just playing yeah. like <laughs> mums and dads or whatever you know yeah do you feel so, you got cl- closer to any of your friends in j- during lockdown because of playing online in- instead of being at school and having classes and so on and so forth? I did make quite a lot of friends and I've had and like I I made a really good relationship with one of my friends but it's just been hard to communicate cuz with some of the kids some of the children they have their own PCs like massive set gaming setups, whereas I game on my iPad and I use a Switch, and it's just like, and some of my and one of my friends, his Xbox is on his family's TV, so will never be he's not allowed because his parents want to watch TV. So it's kind of, I'm really feel sorry for some of the kids that can't play because they don't have the ability to <laughs> yeah yeah to have that interaction and that and 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 those options so has that meant you've spent a lot more time up in your bedroom and on your own r- r- rather than because prior to this you would have kind of always been in the living room a lot and watching things on the tv has this meant you've kind of or have you enjoyed having your kind of own space a little bit during the beginning of lockdown i've i start i was in my room a bit more but I've sort of like been able to wake up and instead of just being in my room for like uh, the half, half of the day, I would go downstairs and maybe like still play my games, but it's different because you're with your family. So I would just put on Catfish for an example, because I've been watching that literally all lockdown because it's just, it's <laughs> like every episode is kind of the same, but it's still very, very different. But anyway, so I'd like just be playing Animal Crossing whilst watching Catfish with down here. Yeah, it's pretty pretty nice. Is has has that been good f- finding programs that you, your mum, and your sister can all watch rather than arguing <laughs> over who gets to put what on? Because I know there's times that you y- you don't agree with what Juno wants to watch, and your mum won't agree with what either of you want to watch. So has that been good to find something like Catfish that all of you can enjoy in some way? My mum doesn't. Mum kind of likes catfish, but Juno doesn't. No. So we normally watch <laughs> Drag Race or Bake Off or Queer Eye. Great choice, basically, because um, we all like a bit of that stuff. So I, I love it. So how's it been spending so much time over this period with Juno? Because you're the older sister, and Juno, or the, or, or the younger sister, is traditionally the one that's annoying the older sister. Have you had that, or do you feel the two of you have grown closer? Because obviously, over a year, you've both grown up and changed quite a lot. I, I do have my fair share of arguments with her. Like, she'll be playing something, and she'll just be like screaming at six o'clock in the morning, and she's been playing 
with one of her friends and he calls her at like seven o'clock in the morning and especially it's just like bring bring and you know it's like I'm sorry but I can't play right now and it's just like mm. but she's had a good time like we get into quite a lot of arguments and stuff but she's mostly just watching a film her herself and then so she would like not talk to me that much during the day but as soon as the lights go out and we're meant to go to sleep she'll just be like Lola Lola couldn't you play with me in the morning and it will be like 11 o'clock at night and she'll just be Lola can you play with me in the morning and I'll just be like check my phone do you know it's 11 o'clock at night if you don't go to sleep now I think I'm gonna kill you like she's just like all right and like pretends to be asleep and I can just see her from over the top of the bunk bed she's not asleep and it's just like and then she'll be crawling into my mum's bed at like 3 a.m and it'll just be like and she'll always wake me up as well because she's just like creeping into the bed and (laughs) it's just really annoying so have you found anything particularly hard over this year has there been anything that's got you sad or got your mood down over this period or have you genuinely been okay with the changes like how's it how's that been I think one of the biggest things that had an effect on me was not being able to do anything for my birthday because I was just inside and that was kind of sad but then again I did cheer up a bit like during my birthday because it was still even though you're not seeing people it's like even when my mom and my sister, it's still like knowing that it's your birthday and you're still celebrating it. Yeah. It's somewhere and people are still doing stuff for it, which is really nice. But I think one of the other things, it was probably quite a lot of people have had an argument and I did fall out with one of my friends at this, I don't know when, and that actually really brought me down a lot. Yeah. And it's just with the talking as I said before some of the kids don't have as much access to things that they can play with other people on and I'm just like it's annoying because they'll say something to me and (laughs) as the person I am I'll just worry I'll just really worry and it will make me feel like I've done something wrong and I obviously want to fix that and then they won't be on for the next two weeks and I'll just be like what have I done wrong and just drive myself crazy and that has just probably been one of the worst things yeah so so do you feel that um the lockdown and the restrictions have improved your creativity in any way and there's a few things that come to mind here I've I've seen that you've got better and better at drawing but even aside from that when it was you, you, your mum's birthday you contacted a lot of us and asked us to do a video for her each and you put them all together as a birthday present and that felt like a really nice thing that maybe wouldn't have come to mind if we were all meeting up or if we were all doing stuff it felt like a really nice positive thing that came out of having to think of what can I do for my mum's birthday when we can't leave the house? To be brutally honest, during that time period, I was watching Modern Family and they did that for one of the, <laughs> their birthdays. <laughs> and for some reason, I was like, oh, homemade present time. And to, and then mum was like, why did you come up with that idea? Mama came up with it for Modern Family and she was just like, oh, well, that's nice. I love it. And, yeah, but... 
<laughs> well, do you feel you've had more time to work on things like art, or even, as I said, the creativity in things like Minecraft and, and Animal Crossing and things, things like that? Do, do, do you feel you've had more time for that in whilst indoors? Well, I'm just going to show you one of my drawings right Excellent. now. But with Minecraft and Animal Crossing and that, I could sit here for hours and explain to you the details of Minecraft, but it's a lot more than you think it is because there's loads more details and obviously you can do so much more. Yeah. And there are things that I found out during lockdown that I didn't even know existed. Like, I remember one morning I woke up and I was just like, all right, it's YouTube time. I've seen some, I've seen an example of this dragon thing you can beat in Minecraft. And this was, I don't know, six months ago. And then I watched this YouTube video of this guy and he was like, this is how you do it. And I was like, oh, wow. So I built my own one in the the mode where you can create anything. And then I went in survival and you can find one yourself. And it's just like, you could, well, survival is where you get your own stuff, basically. It's like, it's very different. B. Dolan has tried to explain it to me, and I don't understand it at all. You, you saw last time I was round a year ago that you were showing me it, and I did not get it in the slightest. But I love to see the creativity and the, and the almost endless – it's l- l- limitless in many ways, isn't it? There's so much that can be done. There's no kind of here's the beginning, mi- middle, and the end. It keeps going on and on. Yeah, so this is one of the drawings I've done. Oh, wow, that's amazing. It, the symmetry looks a bit off, but it's it's nicer in real life. Cause... No, that looks great. I love the sh- shading and the shadows and everything. And have you used pens or paints or what's been the? I used mark. I used markers and then shaded it with pencils. But I love it. That's fantastic, and that's such an improvement from where you already were before the the lockdown, right? <laughs> remember yeah i remember i was drawing like i can show you an example right now but i won't because it was just i'm kind of disappointed in myself because i would draw like you know the uh pop figures the like ones with big heads that are like yeah yeah. the toys i drew like those but they were absolutely mortifying (laughs) i was just and i've been looking back through some of my digital art and i just literally did blobs and it was just absolutely terrible again but that's that's something that you should never be embarrassed of because it shows your progression and how far you've come it could be if if all you've got is where you are now then there's no way of 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 knowing the work that you've put in or identifying the work that you've put in to get to that point so yeah i love that well i'll start to wrap things up how do you Mm. feel as we start to come out of of the pandemic obviously you school kids have already started like having a soft launch into returning to school and there's still some restrictions, but it will start to ease up. Is there anything that you're, you're anxious about? Is there anything that you want to, that you've kind of learned from lockdown that you want to take into however society is after this? Well, from lockdown, I think I've been a bit more confident whilst playing these games with my friends and it's kind of improved my confidence and I still, like, right now, I'm in the position where I'm not really sure about my friends because something, like, things have happened. But yeah. it's drama. not, yeah, drama, <laughs> primary school drama. <laughs> but it's still, like, I know I'm always going to have someone that has my back sort of situation. Yeah. Plus, with school, we all hate tests and stuff, but at the end of the day, you have to do them. So I've been just been trying to sort of do 
more stuff and try harder more stuff because I I'm, I don't know <laughs> like with my English and writing I write things like I don't know I don't know like we've been doing Romeo and Juliet and it's just like and we watched the film and from reading that book I was just like they're American it doesn't make any sense <laughs> and but I read the book and it was just like it's completely different but it's exactly the same yeah at the same time and then a lot of my cousins I'm like I'm doing Romeo and Ju- Juliet at school and they're like we didn't do that until senior school and I'm like I'm in year in year five so it's just yeah. weird but yeah I think one of the most things that has sort of kept me going is Netflix and other stuff you know hundred percent it's been absolutely key in these times i guess Mm. the most important question is how unbelievably excited are you to be able to see me again and have me around being the most fun person and the coolest person and the most handsome person how excited are you about that Mm, i would um i'm not gonna i'm gonna pass on that question (laughs) that's absolutely fair enough thank you very much for giving your time this has been an absolute joy thank you for having me because i'm only 10 so it's very rare easily the youngest person i've had on the podcast so good work (gasps) yay and i get to be on this podcast with very famous people who are high famous people you do it's exciting well thank you very much There you go. That was the perspective of lockdown from a 10-year-old. I loved the little bit of uh, of school drama at the end there. I didn't want to push her. Like She said that um, there's one person she knows will stand by her. And I've got a feeling that might be a boy. I've got a feeling she might have got a little boyfriend during this pandemic. Um, I'm, not, I'm not certain. I'm not spreading rumours. If you're listening, Lola, I'm not spreading rumours. But I had a feeling about that, but I didn't want to push her on it on on air because I didn't want her to feel uncomfortable. Um, you saw how uncomfortable she was about her sheer excitement about seeing her super cool uncle and godfather. But yeah, let's move on to the next guest. The next guest is the amazing Florence Pugh. Now, I had Florence on a while back, and since she came on, she's just grown and grown into one of the biggest stars in the world and we talk about that but a few bits of information i want you to know in advance because there's some references so we talk about her partner's zach and the backlash she got when that became a public thing florence is in a wonderful loving relationship with zach braff who you may know from scrubs or garden state or all these amazing things and there's an age difference and that's what kind of seemed to get people angry the other thing we talk about and these are huge things I didn't know if Florence would be comfortable talking about, but she did, and it was such a, a blessing to be part of that conversation. Zach and Florence lost one of their best friends, Nick Cordero, during the coronavirus pandemic, due to coronavirus complications. So, yeah, we talk about that as well, and it's it's heartbreaking, but it's, yeah, it's beautiful. So... Yeah, I just wanted to explain that. Well, there will be re- references to Zach. There will be references to Nick. There will be references to Nick's wife, Amanda. So yeah, getting that all clear and out there before we jump in. But now let's let's hear from Florence Pugh. Right, I'm here with Florence Pugh. How are you? 
I'm good, thanks, love. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. The kind of the the point of these chats is to check in and see kind of how your mental health has been during the pandemic. And you sprang instantly to mind because from an outside point of view, I feel that you potentially give so much more positivity than you get through social media because there's so much you've done cooking stuff on there and morning dance workouts <laughs> and stuff like that. And I know at the very start we spoke about just some of the negativity you got mm. from people who had really strong opinions or people you've never met mm. had really strong opinions about your relationship and about your mm. life and all this kind of thing. So I guess how's it all been and what role has social media played in that, in the coping because I think if you have to be up for other people, yeah. it can help. And in the in yeah. the impact, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I've always, I mean, I think we spoke about this years ago when we first met. I've always had a very funny relationship with social media. I got it when I was a kid and it was just the fun thing that you downloaded. And when I got it, you would just screenshot any random thing that you liked. So, for example, one of my earliest things is like a bad screenshot of Finding Nemo. So like, <laughs> it's just it was it was just that silly thing that no one really knew how to work. And obviously, it's my my Instagram account has been the same one going through. So I've kind of had lots of uh, definitely lots of ups and downs with the enjoyment of it. But I think yeah, you're right. Last year was was pretty rough uh, for everyone. And I think social media became this place where when the world was crazy and no one knew what was going to go on and leaders didn't even know what was going to go on and, and no one knew how bad this thing was going to be. Obviously, everybody has all this time on their hands now and they go to social media and they're angry. And I think mm. whenever I would see people getting lashed out at online, I remember thinking, oh, there's there's a lot of people that are angry and the only people that are public right now are are very public Instagram accounts, and it it felt I think personally for me it was it was it was a slightly interesting time in terms of what social media is and what Instagram is. Lots of the time is promotion, and it's about me, and it's about advertisements, and it's about um, trying to get my followers doing you know whatever I do. That's the that's the idea of, of Instagram, yeah. and that's what it's become. And I think it, obviously it had to go through a growing phase where that just wasn't okay anymore. You, it wasn't okay to advertise your handbag when thousands of people, millions of people now are, are dead. Yeah. And I think there was a lot of anger at the beginning. And so I think for me, I just wanted to make, especially on my page, a comfy and happy place. I didn't want there to be any trashing, any bullying, any like ridiculous comments that were just only going to completely hurt someone. Um, and so I think that's why I started all the dancing and all the cooking. And, and I really liked doing that because I got such wonderful feedback from just people around the world. And it was really unlike anything else that I used to post. I, I, I could see that it was helping people or at least it was making them dance or it was making yeah. them cook and it was making them, you know, make some spaghetti with their parents. But, and that really warmed me because that's, I think to my core is, is who I am and what my family is, is knowing how to have a good party and, and knowing to eat really good food. Yeah. <laughs> that always, always brings us together. So I just wanted to make at least my Instagram that place where there was nothing I wasn't telling you to buy anything. I was just telling you to boogie. 
And I think that was a comfortable place. But yeah, in terms of me getting backlash for my relationship, I think that's why it probably affected me the most was I just didn't expect for my page to receive quite that much gross hate. Yeah. When I hadn't done anything wrong. Yeah. Um, So how how did you find things kind of personally and professionally? Because you ended 2019 with with little women and and rightful praise and excitement, and you were Mm -hmm. gearing up to jump Mm -hmm. into one of your biggest roles with Black Widow and all of this Mm -hmm. happening. And Black Widow, I kind of put that alongside the Bond film and a few others that were really gearing up to go and then just vanished. And it's, it's been so strange because there's been other films that have come out in that, in the tenant period, as we'll call it um, and things like that. But it it must've been a strange thing because in this industry, your life does get planned out in that Mm -hmm. way for you around promotion, around big moments. And then all of that was whipped away. And again, to be clear, obviously I know that people had far worse things going on in their lives and people were losing their their homes and things like that. But all these things are relative. And if, mm-hmm. if it's if it's what you can relate to, if that's what you were geared up for, how was that to have the rug so violently pulled out mm-hmm. from underneath well, you? Yeah, I mean you're right. It did come to it came to a crazy crescendo. The beginning of twenty twenty, the end of my twenty nineteen was like four months of press, which to people listening, press is is the hardest part of making movies. It's yeah. certainly not the most enjoyable. Obviously, there are wonderful moments within that press time that were great fun, but you're pretty much on the road for months. <laughs> and you're obviously talking about this amazing film. And so we did that, which was great. And we were all exhausted when we got to the end of that press. And then amazingly, we got nominated for an Oscar. So then obviously, when that happens, you do that press again. Yeah but now for something else. Um, and that was just a whirlwind and crazy and an experience I, I never I even came close to imagining was correct. <laughs> and, um, you know, a lot goes involved every single time you go to an event, you get ready for two hours, you plan your next outfits, your next looks, you know, all of that stuff is so huge. And it is the only thing you think about for two months. And so, went to the Oscars, had two weeks off, and then I was supposed to go and start doing press for Black Widow. And in that two weeks, um, the world ended. So it was this bizarre, just life coming to its peak, which this is what you all dream of. (laughs) And, And then having this pause, which I have to say, if it were any other film, I'd be worried for it. But I think that's why when we went into that downtime and we all had to discuss, like, are we really going to do press for this film? Because the world stopped and this is kind of irresponsible to do press. And I think it was it was probably the only reason why all of us didn't cry and and curl up into a ball and, you know, (laughs) feel like the film was wasted is because thankfully that film is a big film and it has got the support behind it and it does have the money behind it. Small indie films, I, my heart was broken for them because no, there isn't another chance to do that. Yeah. The, the, the the last film I saw before that all happened was calm with horses with Cosmo and and Neve Alga. Absolutely amazing. Amazing. And it was so heartbreaking to see what was clearly going to be one of my films of the year. Yeah. And it's cinema release was literally the week the lockdown Oh my God. Again, it's thankfully it's yeah. got that digital on online yeah, audience yeah. now, but still, 
heartbreaking. The the effort that it takes to get those, as you know, little movies up and running is is I mean a, a marathon. I'm not saying that it's not hard work to get those big movies done, but mm-hmm. the only reason why those big movies were able to survive is because they had the support too. And so I think that kind of lessened my anxiety a little bit. I knew that it was going to come out one day. I knew that that film with Scarlett that they'd been wanting to make for 10 years wasn't just going to be pushed to the side. Yeah. And I think because they had this dedicated love and dedicated push for this film and her storyline, they wanted to still make it a theatrical release. They always wanted it to be as big and as powerful as possible. And that was a wonderful thing to feel from all the heads there. So I kind of ended up just having time and, um, we had a bit of a, a rough, uh, a really rough COVID because our best mate uh, ended up dying. And that that was, I don't know how we got through that. And I don't know how that was last year. And we still sometimes look at each other and, and go, our best mate is gone. I think everybody's going to be dealing with the pain of these last two years for well, the rest of their lives, for the next five years, definitely they're going to be figuring out how their med, uh, their heads are at. But um, yeah, I think you know it's interesting when you message me about this. I I had a, a rough time with my anxiety last year, and I've never been someone that's had anxiety before. Right. And I think um, it was very interesting for me because I've always felt I, I never really understood what anxiety was. I remember someone explaining to me as a, as when I was younger that it was like n- being nervous. And I only felt nervous when I was going on a stage or going to sing. So I, I, I didn't really understand the concept. Like I didn't get it. And then it was pretty much at the same time that my Instagram, I, I made that video because I was just appalled with the way that people were talking about Zach. And obviously the world ending and our friend uh, being ill, that I had to really deal with my mental health. And I think, you know, I'm, Zach has, has been very helpful with all of this because he struggles with anxiety a lot and he talks openly about that. And he's had to find ways of, of combating that from a really, really young age. So I remember him saying, you you are struggling and you need to sort it out. And I didn't really know how you sort that out. And he was like, well, you need to spend time on yourself and you need to meditate and you need to think about you know, what, what's upsetting you and you need to find the root of that problem and solve it. Turned out for me, anxiety was coming directly from the internet. So I just had to stop and I took yeah. it off the phone and I didn't, you know, I, I just had to take looking at what people were saying and thinking and feeling out of the equation. And that obviously helped pretty much 85%. And then I started meditating, but yeah, it was interesting. The, the panic of not knowing what to do and then ultimately it is you need to look after yourself and you need yeah. to acknowledge it I, th- I think these moments and these things can be triggered by small things or big things but I yeah. think so many people will have had it for the first time yeah in a situation where as you say the world was ending but like right. we, we've never we no one's experienced living through s- something like that and it it quite quickly seemed to become quite normal and I think a lot of people, or for a lot of people, it wasn't normal yet, and it, it didn't become normal, or it hit later down the line. Again, I know a lot of people who kind of six months in, the first six months, and I had a, a bit of this, the first six months, I was like, 
I kind of feel bad about how good a time I'm having. Yeah, yeah, like, I'm yeah. not struggling at all. I'm writing yeah. loads. I'm doing yeah. all of this. Yeah. And then six months in when I went and worked abroad, so I was on my own, I was like, oh, man, I now get it. And all those people who were reaching out originally, mm. I've made them so certain I'm okay mm-hmm. that kind of no one's reaching out now. And I mm-hmm. kind of need to, to take that step to go, mm-hmm. all right, is anyone there? Um, <laughs> and And find that. But how important do you think it was then to be – isolating with someone that you you love and respect in that way who's had experience in this because it's I think experience in these things can be so helpful and again the love part is always wonderful Mm -hmm. but I love my parents and at times they'll give me advice that I know is completely wrong and (laughs) and I know better now I know I'm more I know this area of social media or whatever but the respect part is really key and particularly that coupled with the experience so mm. how was that to have someone that you knew that instantly you could kind of take their advice on it I guess and go right you know what you're talking about this isn't that empty advice because that can be an exhausting thing as well I know a lot of people with insomnia have this mm-hmm. if they ever post about it online mm-hmm. everyone who's never had insomnia pipes up with yeah, wonderful yeah. guidance and advice yeah. and you're like yeah why don't you have a chamomile tea <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> I, I've heard the advice it's not going to help so how was that to have that advice and have almost maybe some guidance in how to look into yourself and meditation and stuff. Well, uh, yeah, I think one of the greatest things and the funniest things is that um, obviously a big talking point about me and Zach is, is our age difference. And one of the most amazing things about being able to be in a relationship and as you say, respect someone like that is that they've done a lot of what I'm doing before. Yeah. And his anxiety came on at a similar age for similar reasons I think it was very easy without the drama, without the emotions, without uh, someone telling you that, oh, it's fine or just calm down or any of that useless information that you usually hear from people who are trying to help. He very confidently and openly told me that, you know, this is it and it's completely normal. And I've had it since I was 25 and this is how you do it. And it's going to take work. You can't ignore it because it's just going to get worse. And so it was very wonderful to have someone be like, it's okay. And it's totally normal. And for the, the life that you're living and the, the reasons why you're feeling anxious or why you're thinking about those certain scenarios is completely normal. And here's how you fix it. And I think just having that very calm, but sturdy sense of support and understanding mm-hmm. was um, I was very grateful for that. But, you know, that you're talking, I mean, I, I literally had never understood what anxiety was. Yeah. And then one day I couldn't get on a business Zoom because I was in so much pain in my chest that I was crying. And that's just not, I've never witnessed or come close to anything like that before. So it was very, it, I was very grateful to A, be in the same spot as him. I could, it could have easily have happened where I was in, England and and you know for the same reasons that he was my support system I'm so glad that I was there for him during everything that happened with Nick Um, Nick and Amanda were living at the bottom of our garden in our our spare house and so that that you know imagining him going through that alone I I think that would have just been absolute torture absolute torture so I think I'm very grateful that even though it was a very painful chunk of time 
we were with each other and looking after each other. And I, I, I don't even want to imagine what the pandemic would have been if we hadn't been in the same area at the same time, because we just needed too much goodness. Yeah. <laughs> and without that, I, it would have been just pure pain. So yeah, with, with everything, with, with obviously mental health and, and with life and with loving each other and looking after each other and dealing with a very, very unimaginable situation, we were able to, to fix and, um, and to help. And, and so we were lucky that we were in lockdown together. I mean, I, my heart goes out to all of my friends or anybody that was locked down alone. I think that's, I mean, something that, we never ever planned for even if you are a hermit yeah um that's that is a lot so yeah i think uh what you're doing is a good conversation <laughs> Lily, do, do, do you feel that you that those moments kind of adjusted your re- relationship with social media and i don't mean to keep bringing it back to that but it feels yeah, key yeah. in this and because yeah. i really felt that when the sad loss of Nick happened and it wasn't someone I ever knew the mm. small silver lining was all of the sharing of mm-hmm. the, 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 the singing and the beautiful mm-hmm. moments that, that maybe wouldn't have been shared otherwise. Cause they are kind of more, you don't think to go, here's mm-hmm. my friend. How wonderful yeah. is my friend? Like that's not something you do posts about regularly. So, yeah. and it felt like with you, that was kind of a turning point of making social media something that as I kind of joked about at the start, you give to rather than take too much from because mm-hmm. if you're taking in from it, it it can be damaging. Even if it's you're taking too much of the the positive, but all the poison, it's terrible. And it, it feels like you made this point to go right. I'm going to give stuff, yeah. And th- here we go. It's going to be positive, yeah. and you can take that how you want. It's not my yeah. business. I'm not going to find yeah. out. I'm yeah. not going to keep an eye on the comments. Yeah. Do you think that was a, a moment yeah. there? I guess totally. I mean, I think the backlash at the beginning really stung me because, as I said earlier, I've never done. I've never used Instagram as a bad place. And for Mm -hmm. me, it is so silly. And it's so like what it's become is so silly. And the whole idea of just posting a silly picture is is actually very honest and very pure. And sometimes people just need to see a picture of a cat. (laughs) So I think that really did sting me when I, I had... Uh, thousands of strangers telling me that I I, sh- I I shouldn't love who I love, which to me really cuts me to my core because I'm just not that kind of person that would ever comment on someone else's personal yeah. life like that. And also I don't, I don't want people to be mean for the sake of being mean. And I think that's something that's just happening so yeah. easily on Instagram now. It's like, you're allowed to be a dick. And I hate that. I hate that because it's such... It could be such a lovely app and it is a lovely app, but um, I just didn't, I didn't like how I was progressively seeing that. And then it happened to me over something that was just so nothing. Mm. And that did sting me for a bit. And I, I, I got very anxious on, on Instagram. And then I remember my dad messaging me or when we were on FaceTime and my dad said, please Flossie, can you do another cooking video? And I was like, oh, I don't know. I'm really, I feel very anxious when I get on it. I feel like people are commenting on things and I don't like it anymore. And he asked me to do another one because it makes him happy. So then I, and then my mum asked me to do another dancing video because that makes her happy. And so I signed back on to also raise awareness about Nick. Um, You know, I couldn't believe the amount of people that were denying it or saying that masks were bullshit. Mm -hmm. And it was just so offensive to have people 
people directly reach out to me and say that Nick was lying or that Amanda was lying. And you just think, how, A, how do you sleep at night? B, you're actually, you're, you're telling a person who's losing a friend that it's a hoax. Mm, unimaginable. And it makes me kind of feel quite s- sick because it's, yeah, anyway, don't want to go into that. Let's not give them the energy. Yeah. But yeah, so with that, it was kind of just fueling us even more. Whenever there was backlash about masks or about Nick or about whatever, it was just kind of like with every ounce of negativity, let's just throw a bucket load of happiness because really no one really knows what's going on still. And you don't need to see any other stuff. You just need to see people trying to get on with it and people trying to make the best out of a worse, bad situation. And I think, you know, some people have, have made note that I'm always very positive on my Instagram account, which is true. I also have loads of shit days and uh, I also have days where I can't open Instagram because I don't, I don't want to feel that yuckiness in my chest. So I think like everybody there, there are, I mean, I have huge ups and downs, especially in the last year, but yeah, that, that need and that push to make at least my page a happy page and to be silly and to have spot stickers on my face and to do stupid dancing. And even then I still get a, a, a wave of comments saying, you're a shit dancer. You didn't even need to do that. You're just trying to get attention. And I think it just like at some point I knew that people were just going to attack anyway for the sake of attacking. But the positives that I was seeing from just those two little versions of silly me were making people move and making people cook and that to me means everything I mean that's probably the only reason why I still have my Instagram account is to do stupid dancing (laughs) I I love that particularly in this industry and when you've got any kind of following there'll be people in rooms somewhere who are kind of trying to figure out who your demographic is and who your Mm -hmm. target audience is and I love the (laughs) fact that it's your mum and it's your dad that's the two people that you're doing this for. That's the two people that it took to bring it back. Not all the millions of people saying, I'll oh, do more dance videos. It was your dad saying, oh, do a cooking video, please. I love that. That's beautiful. So to wrap things up, how are you feeling as we start to come out of this? You're now re-entering a world that you were in before, but when you were in it before, you didn't know that anxiety was something that can get to you and affect you. So how are you feeling going forward? And are you consciously kind of, protecting yourself in any way and preparing yourself for for the the world I guess yeah I think also if I'm being honest and I think this is a very normal thing part of my anxiety was oh god a black widow is a really big film Mm. I think if I if I really like locate anxiety in me I think I had anxiety for a very very long time not just about that film but I think about you know it's it you're constantly on the stage when you're doing that amount of press and especially with events like BAFTAs and Oscars and and I think I just suddenly was given this yeah this spike of of attention and it was a lot and even though I knew that one day that was coming because I've always wanted to be an actress and that's what happens I think I I mistook anxiety for adrenaline and I thought that it was adrenaline I was just busy I was so busy 
that uh, I was anxious about getting a flight or I was I was I had adrenaline because I was going to an event. And I think I think I've probably had anxiety for a very, very long time. And I didn't know that it was anxiety just by a very, very busy lifestyle. I thought that it was being busy and wanting to get to the next thing. And I think when it went quiet and when the world ended and all of that, I think I was very confused as to why that was still there and intensified. Right. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That Again, in, in this industry where you don't get a chance to breathe or stop, you can yeah. just go, well, it's all just part of it. Yeah. And then when all that's gone, you're like, oh, yeah. I'm, yeah. it's still here. That must have yeah. been, yeah. yeah. And of course it's part of it because, yeah, I'm, I am always catching something. I'm either catching a plane or a train or, mm. or getting in a car to go to the air. Like it, it, it was nonstop. And so it doesn't surprise me that I do have adrenaline running through my system. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so I think... In terms of going forward, I think actually this year, this break, and especially with such a massive film that Black Widow will be and it has always wanted to be, I'm glad that I had the pause to, A, realise that I, I, I do suffer from anxiety and also be prepared for what that's going to be. I don't think I was... I don't think I had done the processing of quite how big that was going to be and quite how um, intense that world will be. And I think because I didn't have time to think about it because life was going so fast, it was kind of like, oh, God, that's going to happen soon. Oh, God, that's going to happen soon. I'm now going to even be more in the limelight and, and, and I need to, you know, really have my shit together. And I think that was obviously something that was like, I haven't had time to process this. I haven't had time to process this. And that was definitely something that... I needed to do. And now that I've had this, this pause and this break to a figure out that my head's funny and that's okay. I'm kind of excited and ready and I'm confident enough now to take on the challenge of releasing a film like that. And I think it's, I never thought that, that I'd need confidence to release a film. Yeah. Never thought that that would be something as an actor. I'm, I'm so confident in what I do and I'm so confident in how I, am on set and working I never thought I'd have to be prepared to release something yeah and with this pause and with this fixing I, I feel really ready to and I feel really excited to take all of that on but it isn't it is an interesting thing that you never think you'll need is is you need to be a hundred percent and I never thought that I wasn't yeah yeah it's that weird thing of you it's weird to think there's going to be any struggles in living your dream right. in doing what you've always wanted to do is like, I want to have this massive film and then you've got yeah. it and you don't yeah. like, why is this hard? But of course it is because yeah. it's a huge responsibility and there's huge pressures and all these other things. But yeah, I think you don't necessarily expect or predict that you'll be so focused on the performance yeah. part of it. Yeah. I've done that. I've got it how I wanted. Well, it's also that thing of what, of what Instagram is based on is you have people to please. Yeah. And I think, you know, ultimately, of course, I, as you said, I am, I am living my dream. When I was seven years old, I, the only thing I wanted to do was this, and I knew I was going to do this. So I'm not in any way complaining. It's just with that, as you say, comes a lot of responsibility and a lot of eyes that want that you want to like you and you yeah. want to agree with that you were the right choice and that, you know, that you are welcome to do this role. And so I think, uh, it's it's very funny that even when you've got the role, even when you've done the film, even when you know that it's good, you're still wondering, oh, God, 
yeah people gonna like me yeah. <laughs> well I, I i i love the outlook and i love that this weird time has kind of as you say it's been a time to fix so yeah. this it's yeah. beautiful so thank and thank you very much for taking the time to to talk about all this stuff it's been lovely oh i love talking to you i love talking to you can we do it again yes a hundred percent There we go. That was Florence Pugh. And man, that was, she's always a joy to talk to. And I'm, I, uh, my highlight of that whole chat was the fact that the realization that genuinely her target audience on her, her millions of Instagram followers is literally just her mum and her dad. And that's a beautiful thing. Let's move on. Next up, we've got the wonderful stand up writer, actor, um, Tez Ilias. And I wanted to talk to Tez because he's been a great previous guest. I've been enjoying him on on social media during this pandemic. But I also wanted to talk about fasting and Ramadan during a pandemic and the, the, the weird changes in pressures and stress there. So, yeah, I thought Tez would be the perfect person to get on and have a chat. So, yeah, let's hear now from the wonderful Tez Ilias. Right, I'm here today with Tez Ilyas. How are you, man? I'm good, bro. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. It's weird because I've done this a few times where I've just asked that question to, to, to tell you before we started recording, and then I've started recording and asked, asked you. <laughs> the um, I know you're well, and I can see you, and I can see you look wonderful. So um, the point of these chats is to have 10, 10, 15 minutes kind of just talking about how the pandemic has been or how your mental health has been during the pandemic or how it's been on your mental health. So kind of, how have you been, man? Because again, it's it's weird. I talked to Jamali Maddox about it, and he was saying, like, how have you been has now become s- such a bigger question than it ever used to be. It used to be like, yeah, good, man, good. Now it's like there's so much more that can be said. So, yeah, how how has it all been? It's such a loaded question now. Yeah. You know that first, the first lockdown? Yeah. The original lockdown one? Yeah. The original and best lockdown? Yeah, the s- sunny lockdown, the novelty yeah. lockdown. I I really enjoyed it yeah I, I had a really good time I was I got to stop for a bit and because it was a government sanctioned holiday everyone stopped I didn't feel like I was being left behind because yeah. everyone stopped at the same time yeah and they all felt like the whole country was in it together not only the country like the world kind of yeah like Spain and Italy went into mega lockdowns before we did so it felt like <laughs> I was watching the news feel like I was missing out I was like yeah. I want to be in the balcony singing to the neighbours yeah. not that they'd want that but yeah it was like a really community feel to it. Yeah, Joe Wicks on the telly, getting kids fit, doing PE and stuff. And it was just a sense of like, oh, we're in this together, trying to... Like, it's the closest I think our generations has, has felt to like fighting a war. There was a romanticism, wasn't right? there? Or, or more, I'd say the close to what our generation has read about fighting a war. Yes, Rather sure. than actually but, fighting yeah. a war. The yeah, kind of, of course, the, of the, course. The romanticised <laughs> movie versions of it. Kind of thing. And it was exactly that. Yeah, I agree. There was clapping... F- NHS there was Captain Tom there was there was all these other as said Joe Wicks is getting kids fit there was cooking stuff online all the time pub quizzes online constantly yeah I've not been to a pub quiz in 20 (laughs) years but yeah so yeah that first one was good right it was because creators were getting a lot of creators came to the fore as well doing amazing things online it was it was fun cool and I love experimenting with that stuff as well and also then Ramadan started, which we're in the middle of Ramadan now. But last yeah. year when Ramadan started, it was the first time I got to do it at home without having to go anywhere. 
in years, probably since yeah. I left uni. Yeah. Because, um, you know, I, sometimes I'm about to break my fast on stage, like, you know, because I'm all over the place doing yeah. this job. And so that, so that was great. I was going to say, did that make it easier or harder? Because fasting, it can be sometimes that if you've not got any distractions as such, it can be, it can, it can drag longer or be a tougher Yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. So, but no, I found, I found it easier. But I just found it not even so much the easy, hard question, just, just nice. I just found yeah. it, I just found it more comfortable. Pe- yeah, more yeah. peaceful as well. Uh, just being at home and not having to worry about the logistics of getting to a gig somewhere and, and thinking about, right, I won't be able to drink anything for the first two hours of my drive. Yeah. I, hope, I hope I'm going to be okay doing the drive and all, you know, all that's all that yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, didn't have to worry about any of that, but it was, it was, yeah, it was great. And then we came out of lockdown and we had, we had then what was the best month of my life, which right. was eat out to help out. Yeah. And I, <laughs> I really helped out. Like I, I, <laughs> I put the help out into Heat to help out. I really did yeah. my bit for Queen and Country. But then ever since, and we all knew it was wrong. Oh yeah. my God. Like we all knew what the, like we were all like, ah, oh, this isn't going to work out for anyone. But you know, while we've got our freedom, let's really enjoy it. It was so dumb, wasn't it? And we're seeing that constantly, how much we will accept because we've been told that we're allowed to. Yeah. Yeah. It, like, yeah I was... my, my, my point was always like, <laughs> It's never been illegal to eat shit off the floor, but I just choose not to do it. So just yeah. them turning around and saying, oh, you're allowed to go and put yourself at risk or whatever else, but it's just, you're blinded by it. And even now, like I, I've got mates, I know people who will g- get up to all sorts at the moment if there's five other people there. Right, yeah, then there's a yeah, yeah. Arrive, then it becomes dangerous. It's like, yeah. no, there's a risk involved anyway. Yes. You know what I mean? It's, yeah, it's within yeah, reason yeah, and it's a yeah. reasonable risk and you could argue it's a worthwhile risk because of mental health and needing to get out and that kind of thing. But, yeah, it's it's real. Yeah, there's, there's, the seventh person to an orgy is always going to be left out these days. It's like, <laughs> yeah, oh, sorry. More, more sorry. so than normal, man. More <laughs> yeah. so than normal. Sorry, Mick. It's always been rough. <laughs> <laughs> um. But then, yeah, the, man, bro, the second and third lockdowns have been, the third one in particular has been horrendous. And also, I'm in Blackburn, so we were kind of like ground zero for a bit. Yeah. We kept banging on about how we were, the, like, we were like, yeah. we were, at one point we were top of the league for the worst in the country, and that was quite fun to play with, because, like, it's yeah, been man. a while since, you know, I'm wearing my top me- now. Me- memories of Shearer and Sutton, Yeah, right? exactly. It's been a while since since my lads have been top of the league. Different SOS this time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so that was quite nice. It was us and Leicester, the two outside of Premiership winning teams. Yeah, we were top of the league. We were like going back and forth. So that was quite fun. Um, <laughs> I say fun. It was obviously like we were trying to make you know trying to find a human a dog situation. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think part of it was because the first lockdown as well. We were we were coming out of winters and going into spring and summer. Yeah. Um, and so just the days were getting nicer, and we were getting to go out to do our daily mandated government exercise. But then, you know, the third lockdown, the one after Christmas, we went into lockdown in November, which was lockdown two, the, the short one. And then Blackburn yeah. never came out of lockdown. We ended up staying in tier four. Right. So we stayed in lockdown the whole time. Yeah. And then there was that break at Christmas, which which was the worst decision probably Boris Johnson has ever made, which is, you know, saying something. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, this, this lockdown that we've had since the beginning of the year has been awful. Like, yeah. just, For the rest of the country, it's lockdown part three. For Blackburn, it's lockdown part two, part two. Yeah, like, yeah, like it's yeah, the second yeah. half of yeah, because it never really it was. <laughs> yeah. Kind of, there was a <laughs> brief, there was an advert break. <laughs> the, the Snyder cut of part yeah. two. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah, we've not really had a respite, and it's been yeah, it's been intense. And I'll just let myself go as well. Like I've, I'm gluten intolerant, and and it's linked to my alopecia, which you know I was I was I was recovered from now. But 
But I just let that go as well. When it came to like November, December, and all the cakes were coming out for Christmas, I was just like, well, you know, I've just got to, oh. I can't keep this up. Like, I need, I need, I need something. I was going to ask you how you're finding your first r- r- Ramadan as a, as a, as a food influencer. <laughs> because you've been doing big things on, on, on online and you've been getting all sorts of tasty free food thrown your way. So, How's that at this point? You chose you know the wrong time to get into that. It just starts to ramp up as soon as you're not allowed to. I, I feel indulge. so bad. I feel so bad because people send me these foods, and essentially what I'm doing is giving them glorified shout outs. I don't really do proper yeah. reviews. There's never been a bad one. There's never been yeah. a bad one. It's always like I'm going to eat this, and then I'm yeah. going to really enjoy it because it looks yeah, tasty. Yeah, yeah. and if I and if even if I didn't enjoy it, I'd be like, I don't want to crap on someone's ah. business. You know what I mean? It's yeah, like you that. know. So the, then they end up being glorified shoutouts, but like I've had complaints going, "Oh, you're not doing a proper review." You're like, I'm not a reviewer. I don't. When I watch, when I watch telly and I watch the guys eating the food in Master, on MasterChef or Bake Off or whatever, I, I don't understand how they use the words they use to describe food because I like food. Is banging or not banging? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah I can yeah. be like, "Oh, that's hot. That's cold. That's got too much salt on it." There's like very basic things I can describe. Yeah, but the way they describe food, I'm like, I'm, I enjoy it or I don't enjoy it. That's all I can say. Yeah, it's it, it's the difference between being a comedian or person in the public eye because yes. any any dude would say, "Core, I should be a food taster. I should be a cake taster." If you say it online, people start sending you cakes. It's like, well, there <laughs> yeah. you go. I'm not actually a reviewer, but here we are. <laughs> if I if I accepted this is Scroobius, like every single offer for food, that is all. That would be my full time job now. Yeah. And 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 the situation would be a with this situation you can't see my paunch maybe a lot worse. So I mean we're joking about it, but has eating been a comfort for your mental health, or has there been any kind of conflict of feeling that you're you're doing wrong or you're doing yourself damage or whatever else? Because I think it's it's really weird at times we're in where there's two sides. There's the the body positivity side, and there's the health and fitness side, and I think. Both of them are right, as long as they're not being dicks to anyone else, if you know what I mean. I I do feel like I'm into my fitness, but there was a period I would be really strict, and I learned that's not good for my mental health. Mm. So I'll be into my fitness, but if I really want a pizza, I'll get a pizza. If if I really want a tub of ice cream, I'll get a tub of ice cream. I'll be conscious on it, but I'll allow both. So how's that been? Has it been a glorious as soon as the cakes came out? It's all been going, or has there I've, been ups and downs? I've I've enjoyed it a lot. Like I've never I've never struggled with like any sort of food issues. Like I've yeah. really I really enjoyed having them. But I do feel like I'm the heaviest I've ever been. Yeah, and I have quite I have a smallish frame, so it doesn't I don't think it suits me. Right. So so I do want to start shifting it, and uh, I was hoping Ramadan would be would be a good time to do that. But then it's like three different people's. My dad had his birthday. My sister had a birthday yesterday. My nephew's got his birthday tomorrow. So it's it's difficult. It's difficult. Yeah. As soon as you as soon as you're breaking fast, it's it's a it's a feast. Yeah, yeah. And there's like cakes involved and stuff, yeah. like proper birthday cakes as well. Yeah. Um. So it's 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 been a little bit difficult. I want to get I want to get better at it. Like I've never been. I always love the idea of properly getting into fitness, yeah. but I just don't like going to the gym. Like Standard, I just like I can keep Standard. I can keep me up for a month and then I just don't enjoy it. My getting into fitness has com- exactly coincided. With when I was in a house that's got a big enough room to have a little home gym, because I'm exactly the same. I've tried a few times. I've joined gyms. I've got personal trainers. Nah, yeah. And look not... at me, 
and think of where I live, Essex. Like again, I know beards have become a bit hip now, but for many, many years, me walking into an Essex gym just stands out like a sore thumb, yeah. like a hairy, hairy thumb. Yeah. And now you look like like any of those hipsters just going, yeah, oh, and yeah, look now at, all look of at, them. Look at this guy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're the OG, man. <laughs> so with, with, with food, like, I, I, I've I always wanted to enjoy my food and just eat what I want. But I'm also conscious of the fact that I'm older than I was in my 20s. And and my just my metab- metabolism has slowed down. And so yeah, I can't put yeah. away like I used to. So, you know, when someone asked me the question, because I was talking about my, my the book that I released, and I was talking about my teenage years. <clears throat> and yeah. that's a question, like, you know, if you could go back and tell your teenage self something, what would it be? What advice would you give him? And honestly, it'd be like, just just eat eat even more junk food than you ate. Yeah. Just really enjoy it, because your metabolism was bob on in your 20s. This has been constantly on my mind, that good metabolisms are wasted on the young, because... Oh. When I was young, again, I, I, I keep claiming I'm into fitness. I'm not like some f- fitness freak, but I enjoy a workout now. If I worked out as much as I do now, when I had that metabolism, man, I would have been, I would have been an athlete. I would have enjoyed it. I would have loved it. But at that age, all I wanted to do, like, it's an ongoing a, a joke between me and a few of my mates that there was at least a period of five or six years where pretty much every meal was either pizza or just some kind of meat. Um, yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and then, yeah. And then ice cream, and I'd eat veg at Christmas as kind of a gift t- to my mum to kind of make her feel good. And yeah, yeah, I think I think the only ever veg I probably ever had at that age was in was in burgers and stuff. Like yeah. that was the only time. And even exactly. then, like when in my teeny years, I wouldn't even put salad in my burger. I'd be like, yeah, without salad, please. And then yeah. I just I learned to enjoy it with, in the burger. But like, yeah, I would never. Even now, bro, I don't like salads. My sister makes a salad <laughs> every evening, and I reluctantly have it. Yeah, and it's fine, but I don't, I don't enjoy eating salads though. Show us, us filming in Canada recently. The the this third AD had sort out our meal orders because we had to isolate and all this kind of thing. Every time she'd come and go, here's the food, here's the veg options, and then she got to know it's like it's no salad, isn't it? And I'm like, yep, it's not, I'll, I'll take the veg option, but I ain't interested in this in this <laughs> salad thing. It doesn't seem exciting to me. But getting back to kind of the pandemic and, and mental health as we start to come out of this how are you feeling i mean you've touched upon one thing there you went into the pan or you're coming out of the pandemic as a, a published author mm. which is a nice thing for for as you as you as you say as we start to get older we're losing our metabolism but we can be things like published authors so <laughs> yeah it's a trade-off isn't it yeah um excited but also a bit anxious as well like yeah. you know because i haven't done my I'm a stand-up comedian. My job is to go into clubs and entertain um, the masses. And we've not been able to do that for the better part of the year. There was a bit in like, you know, over the summer where it opened up a little bit of socially distance. It was allowed. It wasn't the same thing. But but yeah, we've not, I've not been able to do my job properly for, you know, over a year now. And so that's, you know, I want to get back to that. But that's a bit, I'm a bit anxious about that. I'm anxious about, are the clubs still going to be there? Are the buildings yeah. that we did? that we did comedy in are they still going to be owned by the people that would allow us to do comedy in or have the have those businesses lost their business and they've been bought up by someone else i don't know are audiences going to be confident to come out and sit in these cramped rooms and and yeah, be relaxed that, enough yeah, to enjoy themselves yeah you know? yeah so there's all these things that are like eating the way at me when i when i sort of have a moment's rest and i'm trying to just like <laughs> not think about anything just my brain will pop up and going oh what if no one comes to comedy anymore yeah what about, what about that and i'm like can you just give me five minutes please I think comedians are the the perfect example of that 
of the excitement slash anxiety that a lot of the nation is probably feeling and maybe not looking at or ad- ad- addressing because you must there will be the excitement to get back on stage to get out there to do what they've stopped you doing for so long but then exactly that it's something that everyone always talks about you take too much time off how sharp are you going to be how's it yeah. going to be it's kind of you, you, you're then going out there going well am i have i still got it do i still yeah. know how this works yeah i know it's fun like audiences sensibilities change over time so even like Things that you could say on stage in 2010 when I started, you, there's some things you can't say now. And yeah. for, for right and for wrong reasons. As audience sensibilities change, I found around Brexit, audiences sensibilities changed. They were a lot more sensitive talking about that. So like, I don't, it's going to take a few gigs to find out what sensibilities are and yeah. what people will laugh at now in 2021 post pandemic and what they left at BC before Corona. So, so so that's going to be interesting to like, you know, find out as well. And there's going to be a bit of, I think maybe a couple of months where you kind of test, test like the waters and stuff. So there's always a bit of, I mean, doing this job comes with anxiety going on stage, trying to make people laugh because they don't laugh. You know, immediately that you're doing bad in your job. Yeah, there's there's no like there's no feedback afterwards. You know, if you're a good comic anyway, yeah. you know in the moment whether or not you're doing a good job. So yeah, yeah so that like that, that means the, the the job comes with anxiety built in. But yeah, so this this doesn't this doesn't help. It doesn't help. It just turns it up a bit. Well, thank you very much for taking the time to come and have a bit of a a, a chat about it all. And I can't can't wait for things to to get back to to the clubs and to the venues and and all that goodness. No, awesome, man. Thank you for having me. And uh, I've sent you my book, so I'm looking forward to you reading it at some point. Yes, I can't wait. Tell people the name of the book and, and where they can, can, can find it. Um, yeah, so it's a secret diary of a British Muslim aged 13 and three quarters. It's about my teenage years growing up as a British Pakistani Muslim in Blackburn, Northern England. And it's available from all good bookshops, Amazon, Waterstones, et cetera, et cetera. There's an audio version that I read myself and an ebook Kindle version because people always ask. Amazing. Yeah. I love it. Well, thank you very much, man. It's been a pleasure as ever. Cheers, bud. Thank you so much for having me. There we go. That was Tez. And to wrap this episode up, I chatted to Robble. And now Robble and is one of my favorite humans in the world he's a poet and a comedian and a writer and an actor he did a daily podcast during the pandemic we didn't even get around to talking about it it started at the beginning of 2020 and ended at the end and he did a podcast every day but it was poems and stuff it wasn't like topical news discussion but rob's just got one of my favorite minds that i've ever encountered but i also know that he feels so incredibly deeply whether it's the positive or the negative, the good or the bad, he's he, his his emotions are so raw and open. And we chatted a few times over the pandemic on WhatsApp about struggles, about tough times. And yeah, I felt he had to be someone I'd chat to. So that's the last one of this week's episode. It's the wonderful Rob Alton. Right, I'm here today with Rob Alton. First of all, how are you, man? How are you today? I'm all right today. I think cried once this morning. Yeah. But a I just saw a video of a uh, elderly couple reuniting in a care home in Manchester. Or oh, wow. I think I think the the husband surprised her by moving in to the care home as well. So yeah, that's it. But on the whole, okay, trying to stay focused, which is hard, obviously. And I don't know. 
feel like I'm like crawling out from under a paving slab to see what's left of everything, and uh, hopefully there'll be something there. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. So, so I mean, how have you found these last this, this last year and a half overall? I guess mental health wise, are you one of the first people I wanted to talk to because as a fan of your art and as of you as a human, I I'm I know you you feel very deeply you feel the world very deeply you're very reactive to things emotionally um and you Mm. and i have had a few chats over this period when about what's been hard to handle and what has been okay so yeah like like how's it been like what's been your biggest struggle i guess well yeah i am pretty sensitive to a lot of stuff which can be a good thing and a bad thing and uh i think when probably the hardest one of the hardest things was having to stop my ball from rolling. I felt like I'd been rolling this ball and it was getting quicker and quicker and quicker. And I was like, and it was like, douche, no, right. You need to stop this now and do something else. And uh, I think I got COVID. I got a positive test result on Christmas Eve. And mm-hmm. um, that that was, I don't know, that shook me, I think just going through that experience of uh, the news and then you having a newsworthy illness. I think that's the first time that's ever happened to me. Yeah. And, I mean, it was strange for me. It felt like being a racing car and the F1 pit crew, like, slashing your tyres every time instead of helping you. You know, you'd get, yeah. I'd feel like I'd get better. You'd get better and then it would just slam again. And... Just it was just weird for weird. I don't know if I should talk about this or not. About my experience with COVID is that a good listen for anyone? Yeah. Probably not. No, go ahead. But, it's definitely um, an insight. Well, the things for me that weren't really on the news was stuff like I mean, obviously this isn't going to be on the news, but putting a knife down on the table and the knife sounding before you thought it was going to be there, and everything wow. just being a bit off kilter. You know what I yeah. mean? Or like getting out of the shower and your foot hitting the ground before you thought it was going to hit. It's interesting because I, I spoke to um, Stephen Graham about this and his daughter, Grace, had got COVID and long COVID mm. and that then also translated in, into labyrinthitis, which is weirdly it was something I was familiar with because a friend had had it years ago, but... That is all about, it's all in your inner ear and it does kind of throw off your equilibrium and the way you're feeling and reacting to things. So that sounds like similar to to, to, to your experience of it. Again, everyone talked about it. It's it's basically, it's like the flu. It's like a bad flu. But again, I think of the flu as a bad cold. And from what I've heard from people and your experience there, it's far more all-encompassing. It's mm. your whole body. It's your whole your balance. Your everything is well. It off. It, was, it was like every now and again something would happen. Whether I'd have a shoot, shooting pain in my heart that I'd never had before, or my breath would just go for a millisecond enough, not for me to be like panting or out of breath, but just like a glimpse of almost like someone just shouting at you really loudly for like that, and then you're like, yeah. what? oh what, and then you're back to normal. Yeah, and so that was like proper unsettling, and I had it, and then like started to get eczema and 
not badly, but I don't know. So that 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 was a struggle, but got out of it. But even then, I'm you know still that accompanied with the response from the people who we look to for help and guidance yeah. and reassurance. And when the person you're looking to for leadership, I was just like, oh man, just put me in, not put me in charge. But I was like, oh, getting to the age though where I feel like I can, I could do things. And uh, I mean, I'm not saying I could be prime minister, but that did go through my head <laughs> of, I, and I'm sure it went through everyone's head throughout this thing of, I know that just uh, one thing I've found out for, about myself is how much I love emotion as well. I just love emotion. Yeah. Seeing it on TV, in the street, kids in the supermarket kicking off, just like, just show me some emotion. Yeah. So when someone has been on a ventilator, nearly died of this thing, is leader of the country, comes back out and is like, didn't seem to show it, but bloody hell, man. Like, I, yeah. I found it difficult to take. And it, it, there was so much humanity. We were given, I've given up so much of our lives and things like that. But then on the news and stuff, it was like, where's the humanity in this? I don't know. I don't, there's a lot of people that needed a bit of an arm around the shoulder. And I was one of them. And sorry, but money and stuff like that, the, the, I, I got a grant and I was very pleased for it, but, Oh no, and, and that that was a helping hand. But it's like it's like getting a getting a uh, Christmas present from an abusive relative, relative. Do you know what I mean? I completely understand, and I think it's really interesting. Like one of the things that I've come to realize is that humanity was there at the start of all of this. It was it was almost abused with the the clapping for the NHS, you know, rather than than funding them. But there the, there was humanity and emotion seen at the start, but then. There was a certain point where it became all about statistics, mm. and, w- and w- whether that be COVID statistics or economic statistics or all sorts of other stuff, and that's yeah, that seems cold and horrible. Um, mm. And 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 as you say, the, uh, from the sounds of it, the poor handling of the pandemic by the government kind of. Do you feel that made it worse for you when you were dealing with it? Have more panic, have more uncertainty. Hundred percent, yeah. Because you've got the not only the physical thing, but the the the, the mental of I might die here, and I don't I don't know how how I feel like I had a pretty weak case of it, but I don't think that I got brushed by death. But I was thinking like it was like it's almost like I was going to the supermarket and death was in the car park. And I walked past and went into the supermarket. And but then it made me think like that's always around. Is that yeah. is there or he or she or they are there all the time? Yeah. And you just got to live your life with that being there. And so I guess that took me to a quite strange place, maybe. And there's a load of subliminal stuff that's happened to everyone. It must have of um, th- this is going to have affected a lot of people. In it, it's affected me in a way that I don't know yet. And it's yeah. like, oh, okay, right. I've, it's like, but I don't want this to be a completely downer, negative chat because it has been, it has made me think about the future. And I think because of I've been ill, and it was like, if you can do the future now, then do it now and yeah. get it done. 
like all that stuff, just get it done. And it's like, even if it's something as simple as having a meal on the night and the washing up me is doing, if you leave it until morning, that is, it's going to be there, but do it now. You've brought your future closer to you. And that is something that I've, I'm like, right, let's get the, get the future out of the way and then we can crack on. And that, that's something that is motivating me with stuff, green shoots coming out of the concrete now. And you're like, okay, let's harness this energy. And with the whisperings of Edinburgh Festival coming back, socially distanced and stuff like that, I just want to make sure that I channel the energy and pent-up creative juices of creative juices whatever something's boiling inside of me and i want to fucking spill it all over an audience which is i don't know if that's a good way of putting it but it's a beautiful way of putting it it's it's true though it's like like, i think just going from having that thing of doing gigs i know you know one of the last gigs i did was in margate at the tom thumb theater and yes that was just having that thrill of testing you're like right i'm gonna test myself tonight here we go and uh that and then just just that and you know i, I love bruce springsteen and his just the the effort of like right come on let's see what we can do and i'm looking forward to getting back to that and i tried to do it last year with um writing a lot of new stuff and i'm writing a book at a moment and i've been trying to write other stuff but it's like once you've had that kick that thrill as i mean when i think back to some of the big gigs, it's like that high is so, it's like, bah, getting that injected to you once every, even just once a year, it's like, right, yeah. that'll keep me going for God knows how long. And then, so I don't know, I think, but then it's, uh, you know, I'm a year older now. Does that mean it's all over? Who knows? You know, I've had a, a lot of that in, in this year. Obviously, I've been, I've got to work and done fun stuff, but. I'm not one for birthdays. I'm not one for ages or any of that. But because this weird year has happened the year before I turned 40, mm. it's the first time I've had that kind of, oh man, have I lost a really important, <laughs> a really important year? This was my last pre 40 year. And mm. now, and now it's gone. Is it what I wanted to do with it and all that? So yeah, I've, I've been weirdly aware of that. I'll tell you what though, like, I believe that. Some of the people I feel most sorry for are the students in their first year of yeah. university. Because, I mean, in my first year of university, you know, I went up to Newcastle, Newcastle, Northumbria University in Newcastle, first time away from home cooking. I mean, imagine being on Freshers Week and all the pubs being shut and the students' union not being open and you've got to be in there. You've got to be in with your new flatmates who might be, oh, and kids and stuff like that. And I think because... You know, if you're six years old, this year is like it's the sixth of your life, isn't it? And it's like a big, quite a big speed bump in the road. And I really agree. I really agree on that. And that's a really good point. Is the kind of that percentage because t- taking six years old as as an example, you've only been really aware for maybe four years mm. or, or or three when this started. So the way the world has been for the last year is going to be kind of what a lot of them think the world is or, or do you know what I mean? You will have got used to it more. We're very aware of how things have been because we've been around for so long, but mm. yeah, I think that is a weird and worrying one that people need to keep an eye on that kids do get back to being kids and, mm. and, and, and s- s- socializing and not only being with m- mum and dad. 
But yeah, so when I'll wrap things up with kind of how are you feeling as we start to to come out of this? Are you excited? Are you anxious? Are you both? You know, what's your your feeling? Uh, Obviously, work wise, you want to spill stuff all over an audience. You've been very clear about that. Yeah. Um, but, but but how about just just as Rob? As I know, you like a beer in a pub garden and things like that. How how do you feel about all of that returning? Yeah, both anxious and excited. I think I'm going to go into central London for the first time in a long time this afternoon and go into FOP. It's like, um, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. But, um, I think that if you could say, would you want to, if I could say to myself a year ago, I'd go back in time and say, right, this is going to happen. You're going to experience this. Do you want to experience it or not? Be like, well, no, because a lot of people died quite needlessly but also i think i've definitely learned a lot and i think everyone who's alive now has learned a lot as well and we've got to take that and harness it and try and ride it into a flipping better place for everyone and i just hope that humanity is there and it will it will be because we're all alive so it's got to be there but i don't know i think i'm just looking forward to doing more things because even stuff like there was one night i was emptying the food waste bin right and it was one of those where it was really wet at the bottom there was all the brown liquid in it and i was doing it i'm like oh why the why nobody else is emptying you know on the um like around the world oh no one else is emptying the food waste bin right now it's only me who's doing it where is it everyone is doing it it's just that on my phone or on the tv i'm looking and like I'm watching a film, oh, there's a film, so, oh, they're in a film. Man United run, ah, oh, Pogba's playing, he's playing football, you know. I'm like, why can't, he's not seeing the food waste bin. And like, I'm looking forward to getting away and seeing all what people are doing in real life again, because that fuels me of like us all being in it together, yeah, getting, wading through it and just trying to find what we need to make tomorrow something that you want to be in. And I just want that. I want it so bad. And I want to practice, like, I was going to say, I want to say people's names again. No, I've been lucky that I've been able to say my girlfriend's name all the time. But it's like going and going to see your friends and be like, so I want to be one of those people who really says people's names. You know, you get those people. Yeah. And I want to be one of them. And I don't think I was one of them before. And just try and, yeah, I don't know. I love it. That that's this. This sounds stupid, but that that's genuinely got me welling up at the end there because it's such a simple and yeah, a spot on thing. So, thank you very much for your time, Rob. It's been a bloody a pleasure as ever. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. And uh, I've written down loads of stuff I wanted to say, but yeah, no, you know, always good to chat. been listening to Scroobius Pip's Distraction Pieces. There you go, that was Rob Olsen, and man, I I was close to tears when he was talking about um, wanting to enjoy saying people's names. What a beautiful thing to come to mind, that that's something that you've missed, realising that you've not been saying the names of your friends this time. Yeah, a beautiful one. Anyway, 
I'll wrap things up. Normally on the podcast, I plug my web store and my Patreon, but for this whole month, I don't want you going near either of them. I'd love you to go and give a donation either to, to Mind, to the Samaritans, to Calm, Campaign Against Living Miserably. Um, there's so many good mental health charities out there that really need your support and your custom. <laughs> go and have a browse of those those websites. Even if you don't feel you're in a bad place at the moment, they could equip you for if that bad place comes or they could make you realise that you've you've failed to process some previous bad bad moments so yeah they're worth a look um i'll be back on wednesday with amazing people amy Bullman, fern cotton jordan stevens rob parker and jordan gray so it's a bumper episode on wednesday um i'll see you then until then stay safe and stay sane ta-ta